if you don't take a longer-term view and start building passive income along the way, you won't make sufficient impact on your personal wealth. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello everyone. It's Bernadette and we're back again with another live and today I'm going to be talking about a different strategy. So what we're talking about is how you can use renovating to build a high equity, high cash flow portfolio fast. And I think that this is a really important topic because a lot of people spend reasonable amount of their prime years trying to build up a portfolio to really take over from their whatever their business job is when they're not going to work anymore. And many times those attempts are not overly successful. I've seen lots of people that have built reasonably a reasonable numbers of investment properties, but they just haven't delivered the goods. And so what I want to do to today is really sort that out. So, of course, before we do anything, I have to remind you that anything you do with property requires you to get advice relating to your personal circumstances, either from your financial planner, accountant, finance person, so on. So you minimise your risk and you maximise your profit. So there's a problem and the problem is that renovating is really addictive it's really easy to get sucked into the vortex and have tunnel vision and not look beyond your current project. And the problem is that if you don't take a longer-term view and start building passive income along the way, you won't make sufficient impact on your personal wealth. So we can, and I'm speaking from experience here because I spent many years really addicted to projects and but not being at all strategic about that and then realising that I wasn't getting where I wanted to go. And so I have learnt lots of strategies in order to be able to get to build wealth and the one that I'm going to talk to you about today is a cracker. So a common course of action is that you'll buy a or someone who makes a decision to start building wealth will buy a property to renovate and hold because, of course, we love renovating. And the problem with that model is that it almost always starts out negatively geared. So it's got, it'll have poor cash flow for a start because you've paid all those buying costs and your reno costs and you have to hold it until the market goes up. Now, in the past couple of years, that hasn't been too long. But now when we're looking at changes in the market, it's a different story. So we've got to be a bit smarter about it. So it's still an old property. So you've got maintenance. doesn't matter how well you renovate a property. Your maintenance is still quite high. You have little to no depreciation on, well, you have, yeah, on the structure. You can depreciate, as a renovator, you can depreciate some of the plant and equipment because you're the person that's actually purchased it but also check with your accountant and quantity surveyor on that. But then if you buy new, you're usually negative geared for quite a few years because the new properties, you're buying retail, 
you're paying a high price for it and it takes a while for the market catch up. For some people, like a decade. So that's not really a solution either. And, of course, we love to renovate. So we want a solution that's going to sort of marry into our skills and the things that we love to do. Okay, so that's what not to do. Now we're going to tell you what to do. Okay, so instead I'm going to show you how to secure your next investment property that is positively geared, is high equity and high cash flow, gets your deposit, you get your deposit back so you can go again and build your portfolio. It's low maintenance and it's high depreciation. So it's the nirvana of investment properties. So that's what we're going to get into. Okay, so just to show you where we're at. So when you uh, take on renovating as a way of building financial capacity, we've basically got two camps of strategies. One camp is for cash flow. So that's if you're replacing your income or you're not getting enough income and you need to boost it up. And they're the strategies for that. But it, once you have got sufficient income coming in, you want to start thinking about wealth building and we're over on that side right now. And the one we're talking about is the middle one, micro development, because I personally think it is the most effective way in order to do this. So what is it? So it's when you buy a renovation project, a house that's on a big enough block that you can subdivide. So it's got to be subdividable. What you do is you renovate the house and you sell it and you pay down the loan. And then when the loan's paid down, you finance the building of one or two properties on the remaining land, and depending on the size of the land and the approvals you've been able to get. Those new properties are held and rented out. And once you've got it all finished, you refinance so that you can get your deposit back and you can rinse and repeat so you can grow a highly leveraged portfolio quite quickly. It takes maybe a year to 18 months to get one of these things done. And so that's the guts of it. Now, I'm showing you an image of one that we did in Wynnum in Queensland a couple of years ago, but we did that and sold both halves. But when you're building wealth, you want to just sell one half. And generally speaking, it's the renovated property that you sell. And there's a good reason for that. And I'll tell you that in a minute. I'll also give you a couple of examples, one of one that we're currently doing and one we've got a few students doing these, but we've got one of a student that did one a couple of years ago and it's a cracker and I'll show you that too. So basically the desired outcome is that you have one or two investment properties which you have acquired wholesale. So it's a bit like instead of going to David Jones, you'll go to their supplier and buy direct. So you're not paying that markup. It's the same with this. So you're getting those investment properties wholesale. Secondly, high profit because you've stacked two strategies and held the new properties. So you stack renovation on top of subdivision and small development and you've held the properties, so you haven't sold them, which means you're paying less tax and less commission. You've got a low debt because you've used the proceeds from that sale to pay down the loan, number four. You've got low maintenance because the properties are new. And number five, you've got high depreciation because the properties are new. Okay, so plant and equipment depreciated over five years and the structure, I think it's 40, but check that. 
Okay, so it's the ideal. Now, what sort of budget do you need for this? So in a regional town, you're looking at around 400,000 plus. And of course, you do need to research the viability of the town, like don't go for a single industry town. A few years ago, a lot of people got into trouble with mining towns because they broke that one rule. And that's a principal rule of property investing. You want diversity of employment Because if you've just got a single industry and it goes kaput, like mining did, then nobody can afford to rent. So the rents plummet and there you are in a pickle. So make sure that you get the right town. The next budget price point's around $700,000 going up and that will get you a block in a large regional city. And then the next block, the next Price point is $1 million plus, which will get you a block in a capital city. So I've got an example of the regional town and the capital city. So I can just show you how those two price points play out. Okay, so here we're talking regional town. This is a property that we bought in Ichuka. And so we've stacked a third strategy on this. We've stacked the Avocado Smash Joint Venture, because we're doing this with our third child and her husband. But this is going to be mutually beneficial. So the idea is that we renovate and sell the house and then build two properties on the back and we keep one each. And I'll go through the numbers for you now. Okay, so we bought this property for $550,000. And so the buying, the subdivision and the renovation will cost us around 170000 which gives us a total of 720000 That renovation should sell for around five fifty. So that, and once we factor in agents fees, we will end, we'll be left with a loan of 185000 So at that point, we will have sold off the house and we will just have the block of land on which we will build. Now, okay, so then we need to go out. We've got our loan of 185000 We need to go out and source funding to build two dwellings on the back, like a duplex. And so we had a quote, 400000 We've increased that to five hundred because we feel that, well, everyone knows that the building industry is a bit interesting at the moment, so we want to make sure we are well covered. And so that means the overall cost of that second part of the project is 685. Thanks for your question. If it's okay with you, LB Fide Ronafield, I will answer that at the end. So basically, each of those properties will have a liability of 342,500. The value of those properties will be 550. So basically what we would do is refinance and take our deposit money back and then we'll be left with 36% equity, which is an LVR of 64%, and we will also have income, okay? So the rental income per property is $400 a week or if we put it on the short-term market, and I've researched that for that area and it's very viable, is $800 a week. We will probably still go with 400 a week because we're a bit concerned about the shortage of rental properties 
and we figure that's something that we can do. But that is the outcome. So a high cash flow, high equity property. So before I move on, can I just ask, when you're saying some of the key benefits and risks of renovating, are you saying in relation to this strategy or generally? Thanks. And I will respond shortly. Okay, so some of the things about this strategy. It's good because you use domestic builders and residential borrowing. Once you start doing more properties, then you are starting to look at commercial borrowing, which is a lower LVR and not quite as user-friendly. You absolutely must engage a town planner because you will need a lot of input from that town planner to help you navigate the due diligence on the development side of it. It's a small development, so it's not overly critical, but you still need to be able to make sure that you've got stormwater, the services, you're able to put the right services in, that you're not going to be building over the sewer, or if you are, have some understanding of how you're going to be able to navigate that. Whether you are able to sell the renovated property before you build the new ones. Don't assume that you can do that. You need to, that depends on the local council and so on. You need also to work with a good accountant to navigate the tax because in this strategy, depending on what you sell, you may have to pay GST on the sale and that needs to be carefully managed. So I guess like everything you do, the quality of your team will determine the success of your outcome. You can combine this with other strategies. So I talked about us doing an avocado smash strategy with our daughter. We have a student in the Hunter Valley who's doing this with her principal place of residence. So she's just bought a property to live in and it's on a corner block and it's big enough to subdivide a block off the back. So a really great way to get your mortgage down. Of course, you do need to work with your accountant because some elements of your principal place of residence won't be capital gains tax exempt. So you want to just have a clear understanding of the impact of that. You can do joint ventures with this strategy, and I'm going to show you an example of that in a minute. And you can also do Airbnb. So it's very versatile. Okay, so I just want to tell you about Liz Gordon. And so she did this in Barawa in Sydney. And so she did it with a joint venture partner and her share of the profit, although they haven't actually sold it, she sold it, is $470,000, So what would you say? It's equity uplift. So let's move on and just have a look at this one. This one was a bit different. So basically she was able to subdivide her block into three blocks. It had a house over the boundary and so she had that moved right to the back block. Now, Liz is a fanatic about moving houses and in actual fact she has a podcast and a website called, oh, golly me, I'll have to add that in the comments because I can't, something like relocating homes. So that's her speciality. So basically what they did is packaged up the front block with a house plan like a with a builder and sold the block as a house and land package and put that money back into the deal. They renovated the existing house and added a granny flat and on one block and on the other block they brought in prefabricated houses 
and a prefabricated house and a granny flat to the second vacant block so that they're able to get a good return. And so these are the numbers on that project, bought for 1.125. So remember, this is in a capital city, so we're looking at a higher price point. Subdivided two blocks, sold three blocks, sold one. The outcome was that each partner had a house renovated or new to rent out, a granny flat and an, ex, an additional $340,000 in equity. And that was before the COVID boom. So I can't imagine now what sort of equity they have, but they will have done very well. So that's the micro-development strategy. So if you've got any questions about that, you can write them into the comments under this video. And just to let you know what's next, so next Thursday Live I have Katrina Lumsden from Studio Haven, who is a member of our community, coming in to talk about her take on Airbnb. So she's built a studio, but it's got a bit of a twist. And so we're going to share that next week. If you are interested in knowing more about microdevelopment or renovating per se, then join our next renovating Women in Renovating workshop, which is starting on the first week in August. You will find a, an event in this Facebook group that you can sign up for. Okay, so I didn't get any, a response from what some of the, so your question, is it relating to this strategy or not? But I will just talk about renovating in general. So obviously the benefits of renovating, and it depends a lot on your property, the type of property, whether it's your family home or whether it's an investment property or whether you're doing a flip. The main benefits are the increase in value and the increase, like the improved lifestyle. So greater comfort, nicer to look at, more beautiful to look at. And it makes life just much better. So there are different reasons for renovating. You might renovate your family home to increase equity so that you can start building a portfolio using a strategy that I talked about today. Or you might be renovating and selling properties to increase cash flow. Another point about the strategy I've just talked about, so at the moment the market's changing and when the market changes, it makes renovating to sell a lot, a higher risk. It's always a high risk strategy. It's high risk when you don't know what's happening next. And the thing I like about this strategy is it really spreads the risk over three properties. So if you're buying a property and you renovate it and sell it, you've really, if the prices go down, you've got really nowhere to go other than to sit around and wait until they come back up. But if you're spreading it over three, it reduces the impact of that negative thing that's happening. So it's another reason to love this strategy. Yeah, the risks of renovating, there are lots of risks with renovating. The changes in the market, the market goes up and down all the time. We just don't notice it. And so the changes in the market, not doing the right renovations, spending money on things that you shouldn't be spending money, things that are not going to bring you a return. So doing the right renovations, not having a trade team that's well controlled and not really not renovating to good standards. So that can sometimes devalue the property, not doing a renovation that appeals to your target market, 
like there are lots of risks and there are also lots of benefits. And that's why we do what we do so that we make sure that you are well-trained and equipped to get the best outcome. Are there any other questions? Thanks so much, Anthea. Lovely to see you. I hope that was helpful. On that note, I'm going to bid you goodbye. Have a great week and we'll see you same time next week. If you want to meet up with a group of savvy renovating, I shouldn't say it's all women because it's not, but savvy renovators, I'll say, come over and join She Renovates. It's completely free Facebook group and it is growing at the rate of knots. We hit a thousand members just recently and now it seems to have picked up momentum. And so they are all savvy renovating women and men that are working their little hearts out to live a better life through renovating. Join if you're not already a member and then ask, comment and do whatever you would like to do in order to further your renovation journey. And that's it for me today. So I'll see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com. 